0: Hello, welcome to episode 338 of the Apolog podcast. I am your host Simon Head. This episode is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get convenient, safe, and secure online counseling. You can connect with a the therapist of your choosing in minutes by taking the online survey. It's super practical, safe, and awesome. Uh, use the code word Apolog to get seven days for free when you go to BetterHelp.com/Apolog. If you want to support the show on a monthly basis, you can go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and travel fees. You can cancel any time. Go buy t t-shirt, appalog.ca slash shop. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, please. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. And also, you can now listen to me on Spotify. Spotify is something that I don't really speak a lot because my copy doesn't have anything about Spotify. But Spotify is a relatively new endeavor for me, and it's, uh, it's actually pretty good. Today on the show, I have Chris Brown. Chris Brown is the founding member of the Ben Bourbon Tabernacle Choir. Chris Brown, actually, and I work together with this Stephen Stanley project that um, hopefully um, I did an EPK for Stephen Stanley of Lois Lo, ex of Lois Lo. And you can catch Chris Brown. Stephen Stanley and Ron Hawkins on tour in the month of May throughout the uh on to Southern Ontario region a little bit in the states they did this tour last year which was keyboards two guitars and two three vocals and it was I was an amazing uh, it's an amazing experience to to witness and view so much genius on stage ladies and gentlemen Chris Brown on the Upload podcast at that beautiful amazing location called wolf island yeah Um, how
1: long you been there for um i've been coming here 17 years i it it started becoming home uh 15 years ago um yeah i came up for a hockey tournament from new york i mean kind of never left
0: (laughs) can you get to wolf island from the south side from the american side
1: yeah, there's an American ferry that goes to Cape Vincent, New York,
0: and you got to go Which through way, customs. Because it
1: means it's, you're only five and a half hours from the city. Right, right, right. And you can
0: there's customs. It's all that, all that there.
1: Yeah, it's basically like a, almost like a crossing guard booth.
0: <laughs> it's like one guy stop. You belong here. Yes, you yeah, do. They, Come on in.
1: They've 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 upped the game recently, but it's uh yeah, it sure makes for me traveling between New York uh, and here very convenient.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean. Let's uh, you know, obviously, you know, we we just met, I think, about a not even a year ago, um, but we kind of ran kind of in the same circles in the nineties, but uh, yeah, give a little, let's talk a little bit about kind of where you where you came up and how you where you went and. and,
1: and well, I grew that. up in Toronto. Um, so, you know, I mean, I've been playing music since I was two years old, as far as I can remember, and probably before that, but you know, like, um. I, I have a sister who's three years older than me, so I started pretty young. Like, I just would imitate what she would do on the piano, and then they started me in lessons when I was three. So it's just always been part of my vernacular. And when I was a kid, like really young, like six, seven, I got deeply into like the blues and boogie woogie. Um, and, you know, it was funny because it was like, that was like around the time that I was doing, you know, conservatory studies and all that stuff. And I went to St. Michael's choir school, um, where we were doing music four hours a day. And, and, um, you know, when you're a kid, you, you, I think it's instilled in you to separate idioms and genres and stuff like that, especially by teachers who are experts in certain fields, you know, and others they're intimidated by. Um, for me, I, I never, I just never separate, I mean, I love playing music. I love playing classical music growing up. Um, And, but I got particularly into at a young age, I got into stride players and pianists of the early 20th century. Um, And that just kind of hooked me in eventually into R and B and blues. And we formed the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir when I was 15. Um, You know, and at that time we were covering a lot of like Curtis Mayfield and Sly Stone. And I, you know, we, I was touring with the Hammond, organ and I, you know, it was just, that was always deeply embedded in, in my DNA as, as much as I was a songwriter from the earliest days. And so, you know, got deeply into folk music, um, R&B and jazz, um, was just paramount to me as a kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I took classical piano too. What, what, how far you, did you finish it up? Did you go all the way through?
1: Well, I went up to my ARCT at, at, you know, because of the choir school, it's pretty ex- accelerated. So I, I actually never did my grade 10 exam. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I did that, I had already done like theory and harmony. I, I, uh, by, by that time, I'd kind of bailed, went to De La Salle for a year and then was at, at uh, Lawrence Park, you know, public school as for high school.
0: Yeah. How old were you when you were sort of getting into that era of almost finishing piano?
1: uh, grade seven. Oh, wow. So you're you're
0: very young doing classical piano at that level. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. Cause I got to 18. I discovered, um, was it 18, about 17 or 18, where I discovered booze and and ladies. And "Ah, eh."
1: I stopped at grade eight. Yeah, (laughs) I did. Um, yeah, I was probably, you know, it's funny. I was probably too young in terms of just like, Hey, come on, stick with this. But, I also, it was just right for me, whatever it was, because all of that work, it stays within me when I'm writing, when I'm producing. Yeah, There isn't a time, especially in the studio, that perfect and plagal cadences and stuff, like that language comes up, you know, even though I'm hearing it as like, I mean, I'm hearing whatever resolutions, that, that language still... Plays, you know, and, and it's cool. I'm grateful for it.
0: You know? Well, yeah. Starting with the piano is a real strong tool for me because I learned all the other instruments much easier from just going through piano. Uh, I didn't really learn how to improvise on piano, which is where our, our roads uh, separated. I learned how to play, play bass, which sort of got me to play by ear. But yeah. I never really, uh, never really until like later on in life, figured out sort of how to play by ear on piano. I'm similar.
1: Well, that's, again, I would say that that separation of church estate that happens with educators, um, because it's like, if you're, you, you know, because the of the urtext, the, the, the fact that before recorded medium, we had the page, people then say, well, the waltz in C sharp minor <laughs> goes like that. But, you know, it could go...
0: put some swing in there
1: depending on on what day and where and you know and and so this is the the thing is that you know it it ghettoizes all of it it ghettoizes classical music because it's stuck in this place where well there's the expression marks they're on the page right there it's like well how do you feel yeah you know like the way you play a a song as a band or an individual on any given day is different and no less with Bach or Chopin or anybody who's composing. Um, it it's, it's racist. It's, it's like, it's fearful. It's all of this stuff and it doesn't serve the music. Um, so it's like, you know, my sister was a far better sight reader than me. Um, she needs a page in front of her to play really um, for whatever reason, and probably just the luck of the draw, the fact that I was younger than her and I would hear it, you know, it was three years into piano lessons before they realized I wasn't reading music. <laughs> right. And yeah. then that was a big struggle for me. Cause I was like, what, but I can do all that. And it's like, no, stop, you know, you got to, you know, so it's, it's like, um, yeah, that for me, it's, but that's been a big, uh, focus in terms of any anything that I do in terms of mentorship education or anything like that in terms of dissolving that that divide um between or between oral and and written history really
0: yeah I mean I really didn't really get into improvisational piano until until I thought it would just start making piano feel you know or you know and, and and when I went in for my first piano lesson, I actually had a song prepared. I wrote a song, <laughs> you yeah. know, very simple in, you know, but I was nine and I, I wrote a song for my piano teacher and she did the exact same thing. And she's like, okay, let's, let's start from here. Here's some scales. Here's some, it's like, but that's the part of music where you're like, gosh, I just want to play music. And I think today's yeah. young folk can look on YouTube and sort of figure out what it is to, um, what it is to be, uh, a musician just by watching somebody and learning. And I, I, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you, you went through a specific way and I went through a specific way and now the young are kind of doing it different. What's your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's wonderful. I mean, my Godson Cohen, I mean, when he was like 10 or 11 years old, it's like, we could just call up Funkadelic on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Whereas for us, we had to wait until like night music or, whatever crazy cable program was running a special in the middle of the night and you caught it and maybe it would be repeated the following Tuesday. And, you know, so it was, it was, now you can really be, as you said, you can, you can be exposed to it, um, um, on demand. And that's, that's, uh, that's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, there is kind of a a deluge, uh, that I think both as listeners and as, music makers can be a little bit um dislocating you know um and and so you so you gotta you know not not get consumed by it like um for me it's like there's so much out there and it's like well great just focus on something i mean i love going on band camp and shopping around and just getting introduced to stuff i wouldn't have otherwise met you know mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. on these things that have like 50 followers or 100 followers that are that are amazing and then you know and then and then the same thing with the music we make some some stuff really lands and and gets to meet a large audience other stuff is not doing that but hopefully it's all stemming from the same source so i'd say in terms of the amount of information that's around um you know, in not just in music, but in society and large, as we can see it, people get very confused and get swamped. And it's just like, I, I think with music, it's just like, well, just pay attention to what feels good. Like, and just, that's a good idea, you know?
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You'd say that because musicals are on right now are really, there's no real, I mean, like I have a 20 year old uh, and I have a 16 year old. My 20-year-old grew up sort of listening to the music I listened to and then just sort of went off in his own direction. And it's no, there's no um, anchor point. It's everywhere. And I think that's great because back in the high school days, there was a lot of, like, tribes, you know what I mean? The rockers, the mods, the punks, the skids. You know, there was always that sort of label of of type of person that was sort of Mm -hmm. what type of... And you could sort of determine what type of music you listened to by... You know how they dressed and all that stuff. It's kind of almost not really um, prevalent anymore. Do you, do you, do you notice stuff like that?
1: Yep, for sure, for sure. In fact, Sean Terrell, the filmmaker and my dear friend, was saying to me that you know he was noticing that with style, with um, with Toronto, like there was this, a youth style of like not dressing like anything. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, and you know, I mean, I I would say going back to punk days, uh, DIY. You know, and and self expression w- is always really important. But, you know, what's deceiving, I think, is the aesthetics when we're removed from the culture and the time of it. Because, for instance, for Charlie Parker to put on a suit and tie and play what he was playing was really radical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, for Ellington to kind of ennoble the music and go, this is American classical music, it was different than. Oh I'm going to do this because I'm showing membership in something. It wasn't it was, it, was, it was a radical act. And so right now I think the radical act would be this genreless um thing where where and it and it's natural that so much is available to us. Um so yeah I mean I think paying attention to that stuff is really cool. I I I, I it's one of the reasons why I love working with people older than me and people younger than me because it, it really improves your cultural literacy.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because we can fucking sweep stuff off the table that that we would surely miss if someone didn't explain it to us. You yeah.
0: Know? Yeah, I worked uh, 10 years at a university and obviously working with people that are younger than me. And I'm not only educating someone because someone's playing like Alexis on Fire. I go, well, here's a band called Refused. No Refused, no Alexis on Fire. And then they go, well, here, try this. So we're like trading. And they're like 20 years younger than me. And it was like this type of idea of like, oh, my God, even just little things like technical uh, um, hacks and quick shortcuts and things like that. I'm learning things from people who are younger than me. And I go, well, that's that's kind of a liberating thing to be older and sort of recognize the fact that you could learn something from younger people.
1: Yeah. That total aside, but it reminded me of playing a concert in vancouver and my friend christian was on the road with us he was a real funny dude and this guy, this guy was saying to us he was really wasted he was got, he was like you guys suck <laughs> and christian said what do you listen to and he said rob zombie and christian said well then you should listen to roberta flack okay <laughs> <laughs> and guy goes really he goes oh yeah he goes he, he said without roberta flack there's no rob zombie which <laughs> I just reminded me of that. I hadn't thought about that for years, but I, 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 I wonder if that person went home and checked it out, you know, maybe changed his life. Right? <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, lineage is important. I mean, that's always been a divorce in certain. I mean, it, again, in all circles, like it's so easy to miss stuff. It was, what would drive me crazy in earlier iterations of hip hop when you know sample sources and stuff weren't like i i would be working in the studio with people who would have their producers or whatever assemble their tracks and they wouldn't really know what they're singing over mm. um which is entirely different than the way folks use samples knowingly and as tribute and uh, as a a, a a basically development of the entire genre like most F or Della soul, you know, I mean, on and on like, but, but there, you know, there's that knowing source. And then there's the, there's the not knowing, you know, um, not knowing is great in some contexts, but it's really useful. It's really useful musically to have an understanding of source because it, I think it helps us appreciate our own place and time that much more.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know? Yeah. There's, um,
0: Boutique, uh, obviously highly sampled album. Um, there's a playlist on Spotify that has every song that was sampled, it's three and a half hours long of music yeah. that's that they just sampled from, like stuff like you know, Mississippi, Mississippi Queens on there, but also some really, really weird, obtuse stuff is on there, and it's yeah. pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I mean. So, so with you with music, it's been in your life your whole your whole life, you know, and you've lived it, and you've you've you know you've you 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 own and re- operated a recording studio. Um, how did you sort of move into the recording part? Were you always into it?
1: Yeah, I mean, when the Bourbons were in high school, we won a high school battle of the bands at the Masonic Temple, and you know, took that money and bought a six channel trainer PA and a. Um, and used the other half of a thousand dollars for <laughs> for a day in the recording studio, um, and made our first cassette. So, I don't know. I, like, that's that's where it started. And then, you know, certainly because our lives were about touring, we were playing, you know, up to two hundred shows a year. We weren't necessarily personally rec- developing recording chops, but we were as a band because we were. You know, we made like, I think we made five, five releases as the Bourbons. And then eventually, like, you just can't help but soak it up. So then, you know, others uh, start asking you, like, if they like the sound of your records, they start asking you to participate. And, um, I think being in New York, so, so after the Bourbons diaspora, you know, Kate Fenner and I stayed in New York and New York's way more mercenary, um, you know, like, uh, at least it was then. Um, I, the culture in Canada, so many of us came up in bands and in Canada, you, you're making music, you're traveling. In New York is really where recording just started to kind of sink in a lot more deeply for me um, because I was one, I was making money as a pianist and organ organ player doing all these records. Um, Kate and I were playing a lot in the city. We'd go out on tours, but um, it just culturally, it just shifted. And then I ended up producing for a lot of people. And then um, uh, eventually our place on President Street became more or less a studio. Um, a bunch of records got made there. Uh, and then buying the old post office on Wolf Island became a music studio up here. Uh, and now, now the hotel that I sit in is all wired for recording as well. Um, so the, it it's nice t- to be afforded different spaces, um, different people inhabit those spaces depending on where you are geographically. And you know, the this room is the piano room. In the other room there's a Hammond organ and live band set up. At the studio, it's really conducive to me doing mixing and overdubbing and stuff. So it's just developed like that. Like I still, I love that. You know, going on the road with Steven and Ron is was so much fun in the in the fall. I'm really looking forward to these dates. Um, because it's a step towards that place that I came up in which is just playing all the time now most days um, I'm of some nature in the studio Um, and in recent years because a number of the artists that I work with got busy in Europe I'd be oh in Europe you know a couple times a year touring Um, so yeah it, it just it I just kind of gravitate towards the things that are attractive to me um, and, and then the work ensues, you know? So,
0: yeah. yeah. There was something I was thinking about, cause you know, I we've kind of both been in this for a while um, is, is the anxiety of not having work. Does that lessen with time? Because you know that there's something going to be around the corner that's going to possibly, you know, cause life is tough as an artist, you know, we we can't, you can't deny it that you have to, it's tough sometimes. You live hand to mouth, but but do you have like anxiety? Because I used to have anxiety. I was at twenty years old, like how am I going to pay my rent? Like I got to do like how am I going to do this? And then as I turn thirty,
1: it turned into well, it'll come. And then I'm fifty, it's like nah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's there's there's worthwhile anxieties. I I mean you know, and the anxieties wrought by our really crazy economic systems. Um, I think for me the anxiety is like the enemy of creativity and in order to stay creative both in you know life decisions and musical decisions um i gotta really examine where the anxiety is coming from so yes that whole kind of hustle of like am i working Am i working when i talked about new york being mercenary certainly there was a point of pride of making living as a musician in New York I mean it's yeah, a thing for sure um then hopefully it evolves um and you know you realize that that whole work anxiety is actually cover it's cover for things that are already there in pre-extent and when you can start looking at those things which interestingly enough making art and playing music helps you do then you can start to, I think, lessen the whole panic of job and, and money and stuff because you start making decisions that are more conducive to um, living the life you want to lead. I, you know, as opposed to being at, at odds with yourself, which art can put you at because it's it's antithetical to the kind of, you know, the ordained methods of career. Let's say, um, I really admire folks like Lester Bowie um who encouraged people to buy their own houses in 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 the 60s and 70s as a means of you know maintaining a life in music. I, I certainly feel like a lot of the work that I do producing others or the work I've done with the hotel is about creating platforms whereby things can happen. Like you're creating the ingredients for for art to to work out and and, and be um unknown activity. I you know so, there's a certain amount of maybe giving back in that. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, it's all like, who knows? I mean, COVID, uh, you know, one year can be so different than another, depending on how your family's doing and all that stuff. Um, I just, I really try to clear my own ranks of anxiety. So, that's not what I'm giving people because implicitly, success or not success. You're giving people what you're carrying. So there's a lot of music that's like getting over and might be inherently anxious music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I, I do agree with the point of giving back to allow, um, you know, cause this, this world is a moving, you know, obviously the, the, the business of, of music is, is a moving target. And when you start wanting to, uh, create something you start i find now that i can start giving it back to bands and back to you know and because i've sort of figured out like listen i need to sort of make enough money to to pay my mortgage that's all i need you know so i went and got a job that's close it's an aside to yeah. art it's not in art but it yeah. works with art so i i had i sort of like what i call it i took up a trade but i didn't give up because a lot of people i know and i'm sure you do too just sort of went Got a, a job at a bank and that's it. They're gone. You're never going to see them again. They're done, You know what I mean? You yeah. might see them at some sort of like jam downtown somewhere. But still. I, I got married,
1: <laughs> pregnant, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for my 18th birthday, I got a union card and a winter coat.
0: Exactly. So, there, you know, there's there's, there's, there's the paths you take. Um, there's I've heard someone say that you take a path. And the path you take isn't always a wrong path. It's a, you've taken, you take the path. Now the regret is like people have regrets about the path they take, but I've, I don't think I've really had any, like, I wish I ate better. That's my regret in life. You, you know? wish you what? Ate better, like ate better food, took better care of myself.
1: So you know? just fucking do that. I
0: know, but I wish I did it when I was 30, you know, and I'm well, doing it now. Do I, you know, I, now, bro. Yeah, I got the, I got the shirt. I ride, I ride my bike a lot, but it's like, what is your shirt? It's a, it's the ride to conquer cancer shirt. Oh, good. So I ride, I ride that every year. And I ride my bike a couple of times a week. But I mean, that's my regret. Like, do you have any sort of musical regrets or, or life regrets? In, like, Because I don't, truthfully, I don't think you should. I, don't, I really think all the decisions you make in life are the decisions that get you where you are, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. Like, I wouldn't know um, because I, I could say, well, this morning I was talking to Kate Fenner. You know, we grew up playing music together. We still... Record together, and and I was saying how I'm very happy right now that I don't feel as obligated uh, towards others as I do towards my own efforts, uh, which hasn't always been the case. So, if I always felt that way, uh, would I be more advanced in certain areas of my life? Maybe. Um, however. I probably would be underdeveloped in terms of my sense of compassion or, you know, needing to try and fail at a few things that I need to try and fail to really fucking prove something to myself that, you know, my spirit needed to, you know, forge its intention on. So I can't really say, I mean, my only regrets are anything I've done to hurt others. Like literally Mm -hmm. I can think of mean shit I did when I was fucking 15 years old and it sucks. You know, because I was ignorant and loudmouth and stupid, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I go to prison every week and and work in in prison making music. Like, fuck, I I didn't take it that far, you know. I could have any of us could. Well, you're doing and, it now,
0: so that's that's the important. I mean, that's, that's is that um, cons, cons pros and cons pros and perfect. cons. Yeah, but I'm just
1: saying, like for those guys and women, whatever path. And misfortune they were carrying to that led them to that extreme level of self-harm and harm of others. It's a hard thing to carry. Um, and and I mean, I, I just know it from my own sense of hopefully something better than guilt, but like my sense of uh, responsibility when I've been less than present for other people, right? And, and that stems from, I would say, not being present to my own life because I'm distracted because I'm, you know, but yeah, I, so... That's that's where I would draw the line. I mean, in terms of any any other decisions or whatever in music, it's like I think I needed them. I needed them.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're in your twenties, too, you people are selfish. Musicians are selfish when it comes to that. They have. I mean, selfish is the wrong word to use, but there's a there's a blinder you put on because you just have this sort of ambition that no one's going to mess with. And it's most of it sometimes insecurity, thinking, am I gonna do this? Yes, I am. I don't want anybody to tell me I can't. But when you mentioned the thing about a failure, a failure is what makes people much more stronger when it comes to building something and making making a better decision about where you're going with music and with life. Um mm-hmm. so you're right. But but the the fact when you're 20, all these mistakes you make in life, it should you should have like a window of
1: opportunity. Yep. <laughs> yeah i mean the the only thing that discourages that again is anxiety and fear so mhm yeah.
0: mm-hmm. so so talk a little bit about pros and cons cuz i i saw this i saw the video um it it's very you, you know it's talk about giving back to the community that's uh that is an amazing uh type of in, in, endeavor
1: thanks well um the harper hunter was uh taking apart the agriculture programs in Canadian prisons, which had been a highly successful rehabilitative program, um, series of programs nationally. Um, and, and it happened to coincide with me being on Wolf Island, which which its proximity to Kingston gives it proximity to many many prisons and also prison culture because everybody who lives around here has some connection to prisons. So in my history of kind of um, applying music to social concern it just was natural that being in this area that just kind of came up Mm -hmm. Um, what also came up was when you saw this hyper conservatism preening in under the guise of public safety which was really about profiteering one from from incarceration because that's what they were looking for um and uh basically taking out a, a, a very, very deep antisocial tendency on vulnerable people. It's very interesting when you find that those vulnerable people is a demographic who's done harm to others. And you realize the fact that they've done wrong makes them vulnerable. It's a, it's a, it's a, a kind of um, a strange thing to confront because it really works. It really works to take a traumatized family who've had tragedy done to them parade them in front of others and incite hate it works yeah um you know what's on the other side of of a a horrendous act and a lifetime of maybe mental neglect uh you know uh, for for many people like the crime or the sentence is just some punctuation mark on this Sentence of of like a, a completely unexamined life, like you know, you 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 have like maybe less than one percent of people who really can't abide, who need to be incarcerated, you know, like our superstar, multiple offend, offending, you know, ego maniacal sociopaths who either end up in office. <laughs> Or in Max, like yeah. literally, they found they either either t- climb to the top of government or or corporate structures, or they end up in prison because it's taken to the same extreme. Because the because at the apex of those um, of all of those structures are behavioral tendencies that are incredibly antisocial, and you can destroy communities or destroy a planet, you know, and be highly rewarded for it financially. Um, you can destroy another person's life and be put in jail. I, You know, so, I, so I, I, um, I just started going in there and these are all things that I've considered as I work inside of prisons. Um, but we, you know, I started doing music workshops. Music workshops led to recording. The recording led to the development of building music studios inside prisons where I bring in folks to mentor and for people to learn recording arts. And then invariably they end up, mentoring each other because there's tons of talented people who are being warehoused. It's an incredible um, crime against just the energetic premise. So like give people something to do. And, and guess what? They raise thousands of dollars for charities and those charities are tied to their acts because it's actually a way of making amends for things they could never apologize for. And it's also about learning skills, which by the way, we want incarcerated people to learn. You know, it's called corrections. Yeah. It's not called drawn and quartered. Right. Yeah. Um, And when Harper stood up in front of a podium with cursive that said victims first, guess who's his idea of a primary victim is himself. You know, this is our white men fucking moment of realizing, oh, my God, we'll do anything in the name of getting enough fucking attention, whether you're Donald Trump or jeffrey dahmer or whatever you know it's like and and i think for us like just recognizing that 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 um you know a a perfect example would be the look of what that government did for social programming and for the underserved in our communities in in terms of oh yeah you're really into victims no you're into yourself you're into an agenda and then you can get people who have been on the receiving end of tragedy and use that as your as kind of your mask, but you're exploiting them. So this is the aspect of restorative justice where it really comes full circle in terms of serving people who have been wronged and serving people who have done wrong. And, and most people understand the math on the first side. A lot of us, myself included, get dissuade or spooked by the second half of that equation um, because we're trained to. We're trained to loathe and hate and Distinguish and separate culturally, economically, racially—all those things—and you know that's not really leading us anywhere. What is leading us, and which is, you know, as Martin Luther King said, that slow arc, that long arc that's always interrupted. Um, but you know, we have we have advanced from you know cutting up people in the public square and public hangings and bloodlust to incarceration, we need to keep going because it's heinous what people experience. Um, and if we want to really um, unlock our capacities as a society, we've got to look at it, because as long as there's um, society, there's crime. And then, you know, uh, mental mental health rates in prison, I mean, whatever, like eight between 80 and 90 percent of people have untreated mental health. I'd say 100 percent, but stats show 80 to 90. So you know, bringing arts into the prison, affording that, allowing people to get in touch with themselves that way and putting the tools in their own hands. Um, So that's some of the ethos of the program. Um, We're now a national charity. um, And the idea is now is to uh, truly nationalize it and put the programs in every province and territory. I mean, currently we've been releasing records. We've released two records from Grand Valley Institute for Women. We've released two from Joyceville, minimum Pittsburgh institutions. We're running in Collins Bay, um, minimum. men were about to start up in Collins Bay M- medium. Like I actually don't actually have the time to even keep up with it as it stands now. Um, so we're looking for people to become involved. The model is we hire people who've gone through the program. So it hires formerly incarcerated people who rather than their incarceration being a liability, it's an asset. They're the experts, you know? So they actually come back in and run the programs. And then when the folks who are sitting there realize, oh my God, you've been in this chair, they do more work just by their presence than you know anybody else could do. So yeah, it's 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 evolving, you know, but it's it's been an amazing privilege and helped me reconnect with music. Um, Bill Frizzell, when he was up playing at the hotel with Tony Um Shear and Kenny Wallinson with the trio, they went in and did a concert at Collins Bay was amazing. It was absolutely life-changing and and when I was in the prison last week a young man came up to me and said, Do "You know that that was the first live concert I've ever been to in my life." <laughs> wow. You know, and so you think about the circumstances that would lead to that, someone never being exposed to live music. Like what was their life like? And he said, "I know they weren't using their mouths and they weren't saying words, but they were telling me I was free with their drums and their guitars." And every time I think of that music, my body gets peaceful and I feel free. You know, wow, that's that's one that's one story. I mean, other stories include people have been, you know, reunited with their their families through the music, um, sometimes reconciled with the with victims, families as well. Um, It's deep work. uh, It's a privilege to be part of um, and I have nothing but love for the folks in Corrections who've just been so incredibly imaginative, supportive, creative. And, you know, those are folks who work generationally too, who, who deal with a lot of trauma, you know, um, we're all in it. So, you know, um, the music's helped to dissolve the walls a little bit and you can go to pros and or, you know, look it up online. There's a Ted talk about it. Um, you can hear all the music and you'll, you'll hear by, by witnessing the music, what's going on in there.
0: It's amazing. Um, so that is a pretty heavy, full dance card for you. Um, what's, what's happening in the future? What are you, what's, what's your plans? Where are you? I'm just finishing
1: up a record yeah. um, called Patch M2, which had started before COVID. And then kind of during COVID, I recorded the ropes with um, Jason Mercer and Pete Bowers up here on the island this is taking the music that started in new york with tony and kate and michael blake and the holmes brothers finishing it on the island so it's kind of an amalgamation to two locations and that'll be done in short order i'm going to put that out um you know i'm really excited for the tour coming up with ron and and steven which will, which has been a wonderful thing that's grown the last year and um and then i i just finished a number of records uh Jeff Marshall, who's a great songwriter from Toronto. Um, Michael Harrington from Los Angeles. Uh, his record is just in, in, in the final strokes. Um, there's a couple more production things in the wings. Um, I, you know, the hotel and we, the, so the hotel was purchased to make it a place for sustainable culture, food, a micro economy on the Island based on the arts and agriculture, which can be supportive as opposed to an extractive capitalist model that happens in rural areas where you get land development and speculation. So this is about employing people on the Island and then bringing in artists from around the world. So, um, we have a lot of concerts coming up here this summer, uh, farmer's market is developed on the, on the water, which is like sponsored the growth of 20, new businesses here and um we're kind of getting out of the swallowing the bowling ball which was doing this all under covid and now into fruition so there's lots of activities uh, um, about we just came through a, a month of arts programming with zina sarah from the niger delta did the G- Elizabeth gin assembly here friselle did concerts we've got you know sarah harmer and kate fenner played beautiful shows here in the piano room um, we've got you know, like, so all of that is happening in the locale of, of Wolf Island, too. So people, you should come visit, it's it's nice.
0: Yeah, but you can't tell too many people.
1: <laughs> it's, well, I can tell the right people, though, the true. right yeah, people who true. listen to your show. That's true. We want a, a certain Just, echelon of folks, and this obviously you're like a filter. I, yeah,
0: yeah. You I am
1: dummies, dummies out there, do you? No, 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 we're, we're all smart so. people. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I when I went there I was there what was it this, this last year was it in the winter it was the winter I had such I was I was almost like a slightly quasi religious experience cuz I was like I want to retire here I want to I want to come here I want to be there uh, I want I love everything about this uh, That's so nice. It's such a great community of of just it felt like where I was when I was a child it was a very small community
1: of people and everybody knew yeah, You're were, you were saying that Everybody
0: yeah. knew everybody. And, and that was sort of like, it can be a hindrance sometimes, but most of the times it's great because if somebody needs help, there's somebody, you know, helping out. And that, that yeah. is a community, you know? And, yeah. and, and there's something separating when you separate a boat ride between mainland and an island, there's sort of this magic ensues. Um, and, it, you know, and it feels like you could be in Prince Edward County when you look out, sort of look south of where you are, but at the same time, this is, it's its, its own sphere um i love it i every any, any chance i want to get out there and, and do things so yeah
1: nice yeah it's it's a it's a blessed place
0: so uh, you know what i'm going to do i'm going to put all the the, the concert dates because they're all pretty much figured out now i'll put for the brown hawkins stanley tour uh, i'll put all that contact to uh, pros and cons um we'll talk after um but uh, it's it's been a you know I, I it's such a great experience talking to you. Uh, you you have such a width of a wide you know um, expansive knowledge of music and life and and it's and it all seems to have come into this
1: capsule. Oh, thanks, man. Back at you. It's been it's been a pleasure. You know, um, yeah. you know, if you want to point people to Wolf Island Records too, like that's yeah. where I mean Steven's records are there and. Uh, you know pros and cons is there that's a that's a fast hub so is the hotel but um yeah i really appreciate it it's been it's been great it's it's great you do this thanks man we'll talk soon awesome simon take care okay. best to everybody listening too that was
0: mr chris brown from a urban tabernacle choir wolf island recording studios wolf album wolf island studios pros and cons it is he he has many irons and many fires uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the good ones Chris thank you so much for doing the show and thank you for listening to the show by the way uh, just to let you know I want to remember about betterhelp.com betterhelp is a convenient and safe secure online counseling system you can count, contact with a therapist in minutes by taking an online survey use the code where it's, it's super secure and safe and no one's going to know you're doing it except for me. No, I'm just kidding. I won't know. I don't know. Uh, use the code word APOLOG to get seven days for free when you go to betterhelp.com slash APOLOG. Thank you for supporting the show. For people supporting the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, yeah, fun episode. Uh, I have another one coming up next week. Sorry about last week. Last week was a bit of a bummer. Poor Ben, sir. We, we wish his family... All the condolences and and his punk rock family and everybody. um, Sad days. But uh, it is, you know, what I realize is this is the sixth person who's been a guest on the show to pass away. It's pretty wild. Then again, the show's been on for over eight years. So, I mean, some people will die, but it it is pretty insane that, you know, to know that there's some voices who will never speak again on the show. So, you know... It's something to think about. Everybody, we will see you next week or the week after or the week after that. And we'll keep pumping out these episodes. It is so much fun to do. I see people now starting podcasts on Facebook. It's pretty exciting stuff. And, you know, the trend is still the trend, man. Podcasts are where it's at. And uh hope you have a great week. And we will see you again.